Good morning, friends. You've tuned into Faith Communications of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. We're delighted that you joined us today. Our hope is that today's message will help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we listen to today's message, keep in mind that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now let's go right into today's broadcast. If you will turn with me uh, in your Bibles, we're going to go to uh, go to Acts 16. Go to Acts 16. And I'm going to get there in a little bit. I've got some other scriptures I want to read, some other things I want to, want to go do. Uh, but I'd like you to at least turn your Bibles there to Acts 16 uh, as we get started here. But we are right in the middle of a series we started at the beginning of January called Revival 2020. And God has really just placed on our heart, uh, Liz and I, on our heart, that there is something brewing. <laughs> there is something brewing at this church. There is something brewing in this community. There is something brewing in the city and in the county of Erie, Pennsylvania, that God is preparing and molding and getting things ready for a great move of God. And I don't say that lightly. Because I felt that all last year, but that wasn't the time yet. It wasn't the time to begin talking about it. And I really believe that God is just beginning to prepare for a great move of God. A great time where people's hearts will turn back to Him. Where people will begin to just reject the ways of this world and turn towards Him. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And I truly believe that we as the church are part of the catalyst to do that. And as you begin to read in the Bible, all, when it talks about all these different revivals, there's some things that happen in the church. And what always you see surrounding in the church, if you even do historical revivals, what happens is in the church is the church begins to pray. The church begins to walk in an obedience, walk in humility, walk in submission, walk in repentance. And the church at large begins to walk in this way, and it's almost like it begins to clear the way for the Lord to do his work of revival. And as for me and my house, we will not stand in the way of what God wants to go do. Amen? And so as I declare that as the pastor of this church, of this house, that means I need to teach you how we can prepare our hearts. What do we have to do to have revival right here before we see revival out there? Because these revivals start with a revival personally and in our hearts. And when we start seeing God for who he is and start seeing Jesus for what he's done, we can no longer help but to begin to share the gospel message. We can no longer help but begin to pray and believe for some of the biggest and mightiest miracles that we've ever seen in our lives. And so that's what my focus is on this series, is not about seeing revival out there, but about seeing revival right here. And we're going to start here. God's going to take care of that. God's going to take care of this too. But I really feel like as a church, we need to be focused on right here, on ourselves and what God is doing and speaking to us. And then it's because of what he does in here, the Bible talks about, is an overflow of what will begin to happen out there. Amen? So that's my prayer. That's why this series is called Revival 2020. And I've been reading through the book of Acts. And every time, every time you read story after story after story about the book of Acts, when a miracle happens, people become saved. People see either the person who had the miracle or someone who's seen the miracle. People begin to be saved. And I truly believe that's why miracles are happening right here in Erie, Pennsylvania. 
There have been healings. There have been cancers that have disappeared. There are tumors that have disappeared. There's been healings. There's been cartilage that has grown. I mean, just because God is a miracle-working God. I mean, we are seeing things happen in our midst because he's preparing us and he's preparing the way to do a great revival. I call that the recipe for revival. The recipe for revival. The foundational verse that I want to read that we have for this entire series is in 2 Chronicles 7. You don't have to turn there. We have it on the screen overhead. And it's verse 14 through 16. It says, If my people, that's us, if my people who are called by my name will do what? Will humble ourselves, which is what we talked about in focus last week. What does it mean to humble ourselves? If you missed last week, I'd encourage you to go online and go to our, our, our website and you can listen to it or watch it on Facebook Live. But we talked about what does it mean to humble ourselves. And then it says, and to pray and seek my face. Pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Whoa, he's talking to the church. He's talking to those who believe in God. He's not talking to the unbelievers. He's not talking to those that we would say, oh, those are heathens out there, and they're so far from God, and they really need to turn from their... He's talking about us. When we turn, when we as the church begin to align our hearts with God's heart, he begins to move in revival, and what ends up happening here? What's going to happen and turn from the wickedness? Then, then he, God, he'll hear from heaven, he'll forgive their sin, and he'll heal their land. Amen. This is our land. This is our land. Church, I don't think you understand. This Erie County, Erie, Pennsylvania, this is our land. And the things that are happening in Erie, Pennsylvania, and in our schools, in our cities, is because we are not taking the rightful authority that we need to have. And we need to begin to understand the authority that God has given us, the authority that we have when we pray, the authority that we have when we speak God's word, the authority that we have when we walk into the grocery store. We can bring the blessing and the favor of God everywhere that we go. It is our responsibility to change Erie County through the powerful works of the Lord. You see, that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, listen to me, the Holy Spirit that rose Christ from the grave lives inside of you. If you've made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, that Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. It has resurrection power. It has power over the grave. It has power over sin. It has power over the enemy. It has all the power that we need to live our lives. And it resides right on the inside here. And what happens is we just need to begin to leverage it. We need to begin to take advantage of the Holy Spirit working in us and then through us. The Bible says in us and through us. So first is in us, then through us. You get that? First is in us, and then through us. So when the church humbles themselves, when we pray and seek his face, when we turn from our wicked ways, then, 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 I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. How many of us want to see healing in our land? Man. The next verse says, Now my eyes will be open, and my ears attentive, to prayer made in this place. He's listening to our prayers. The prayers on Tuesday morning, on Wednesday night, the prayers that you have in the morning, the prayers that you're crying out for your family members, for healing, for salvation. He hears those prayers. And now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever. Church, that is my heart's desire. His name be glorified forever in this church, 
in this city, in this town. Not my name, not Erie Christian Fellowship name. No, 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 no. Please, no. None of that. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus shall be glorified. When we speak the name of Jesus, people are healed. When we speak, it's not my name, it's not your name, it's the name of Jesus that has the power to do these things. It's the name of Jesus that has the power to start this revival here in Erie, Pennsylvania. My name will be forever there, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Father, thank you that your eyes and your heart are perpetually on us. Thank you that you are jealous for us. That you love us so much that you don't want us to be far away from you. Father, thank you that it's your will that none shall perish. Father, thank you for the callings on each of our lives to do your work, to do your will, to do your purposes. Father, change us from the inside today in Jesus' name. Amen. So the second key to revival in our land, if we read that scripture, it was first one was uh, humility. The second key to revival in our land is in our own hearts is for prayer and to seek his face. The second key is prayer and seeking his face. You know, I talked a little bit last week in James chapter 4. It says, you do not have because you do not ask. (laughs) Have we asked for revival? Have we asked for absolutely, amazingly big miracles in our life? You know, the the Bible clearly says that he promises that he's going to take care of all of our needs. He's going to take care of our issues and things that we have. But what this is talking about is saying, there are things in our lives that we do not have because we have not asked. This is clear, is what it's saying. There are things that we do not have in our lives because we have not asked. So church, I believe it's time to begin asking for pretty big radical transformations from the inside out. And it's a tough prayer to pray. It's a tough thing because we like to pray those prayers of, you know what, I can't wait to see this, or I want to see that, or I want to see this revival, I want to see all these things. But when we begin to truly pray and seek his face, what begins to happen is the change on the inside begins to occur. And so I'm praying and believing that we begin to ask for some big, bold prayers that begin to revolutionize the inside of who we are, our hearts. We need to be walking in obedience, humility, submission, and repentance. So what is this thing, prayer? What does this actually mean? Most of us understand what prayer means. It's presenting our requests to God. We did a whole series on the Lord's Prayer and all these different kinds of things regarding prayer. And prayer is a very important part of our walk. It's a very important part. It changes us many a times as well as we pray, as we begin to seek God's will in situations. And our prayer should always be, your will be done in the name of Jesus. These are fundamentals of our prayer life, is that we are asking for God's will to be done, asking that our our will comes into alignment with his will. And then we always ask it in Jesus' name. But I want to talk about seeking his face. So prayer and seeking, what does it mean to seek his face? So I came up with a little analogy, and maybe some of you can relate to this. How many of you have ever lost the keys to your car? Come on. Right? I mean, this happens in the Ackerman household, oh my goodness, like all the time. 
And I really don't understand why we can't come up with a process of like a little bowl or a dish right when you walk in the door and you put the keys there. But for some reason, we don't. It's really because all these new cars don't have the key to turn it on anymore. It's just a little fob that as long as it's in the car, it turns on. So you never know where the heck that thing is, right? Because you don't actually need it to start the car. You just know it's in some bag somewhere and the car started and so you move forward, right? How many of you deal with this, right? Some of you, okay, you guys understand what I'm saying. So as we are seeking, what happens when you begin to seek for your keys, right? You know there's a time where you have to leave. There's a time where you need to get somewhere. And if you don't leave in the next two minutes, you're not going to make it on time. Maybe it's a movie. Maybe it's a flight. Maybe it's your job, whatever it is. But you begin to seek for your keys, do you not? And you don't just seek like a little bit. Like, "Mm, maybe I'll just walk around the house looking for my keys real casually. No, you're like, where are my keys? I have to go. No, okay, this is me maybe. I have to leave in two minutes. You're ripping through bags. You're throwing stuff out of the way. I need to find these keys. I need to go. I actually start throwing bags into the car and start hitting the button to see if the car will start. Maybe it's in this bag. Throw that bag in. Hit the car. Nobody do this. Throw this bag in. And we're seeking. We're looking. We're trying to find these keys. And it's amazing the amount of energy and effort that we put forth to find these keys. Could we, church, what if, church, we began to seek the Lord and his face with the same amount of energy, with the same amount of importance, with the same amount of urgency as if we were looking for our keys because we had to leave in a minute to get somewhere. Church, I'm encouraging us To seek his face with such urgency during this time of prayer and fasting. During this year, this 2020. Because when we seek his face, he promises that we will find him. It says, seek and ye shall find. If we were to seek him with our whole hearts, his kingdom, his righteousness, begin to seek him. So when you hear that word seek, I want you to think about running around the house looking for your keys, okay? And why does it say his face? We are to seek his face. What does that mean? What does that mean? I'm sorry, guys, the younger people, all we're doing, and I'm kind of with you now, too, I'm doing it, too. We're just texting, or we're emailing, or we're doing something on Instagram, or Twitter, or whatever. But we're we're losing what somebody is saying through their face. There's so much communication that happens through facial expressions. And when the Bible is telling us to seek his face, we're actually seeking the face of God. Lord, show me your glory. Show me what you want to show me. I'm looking to seek your face. I want to see you in all of your glory. Because when you see his face, when you see who God really is, it cannot help but transform who you are. This is why he's saying, seek my face. Because the face has expressions. It has meaning. It's trying to say something, even when it's not written down. When we seek his face. You know, in the Bible, if you look at how that word face is actually translated, it's translated into presence. So seeking God's face means seeking God's presence. <laughs> Seeking God's face means seeking God's presence. That is our goal on Sunday morning. Our goal is to seek God's presence. 
We want His transforming power. We want His Holy Spirit to do the work. We want Him to pierce our hearts, to change our lives. We want Him to see the lost saved. We want Him to see the sick healed. We want Him to see these lives transformed. He's doing the work. His power, His glory, which is all in His presence, is doing that. That's why worship is important. We're preparing our hearts ready to receive what God has for us. Seeking his face. And I truly believe as we continue to seek his face, we will continue to see how much he loves us. How much he cares for us. How much he is a really good, good father. Hebrews eleven six says this. I'll get to Acts 16 at some point. I still can't see the parking lot. Y'all don't need to turn around. I'll give you a quick weather update. Can't see the cars out there. Don't sweat it. We're going to be okay. Okay? Hebrews 11. I can see right out that window. It's like, whatever. You can't. Maybe there's one car out there. I can't see the rest of them. Okay. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, it says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith. What is faith? Faith is believing God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. And if you don't believe that, if you don't believe that God will, will do what he says he'll do and he is who he says he is, it means you cannot please him. These words are strong. Impossible to please him. Impossible without faith. Then it goes on to say, but he who comes to God as we are seeking his face... huh? Another reference there. As we are seeking his face, coming to God, we must believe that he is and that he is what? A rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So what this is saying, back to the Chronicles, is saying pray and seek his face and he will reward that. He will say, you know what? I see that you are striving to come into me. And it's not about striving, it's about submitting to him. I see that you're making an effort, and I appreciate that effort. He always is a good, good father. It says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You say, oh, this must mean I need to read the Bible more. It might. It must mean that I, just, I think I just need to pray more. It might. But I think what it truly means is not worshiping more in the car. It truly means is saying, Lord, transform me. Have your way in me. Show me what I need to do differently. Just because somebody reads the Bible for five hours a day, that doesn't mean that that's what you're supposed to be doing tomorrow. Some of you have kids at home. You can't read the Bible for five hours a day. I get it. What is he asking you to do? Transforming your life from the inside out. What happens when we seek him? He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And you begin to look at different stories in the Bible. What happens when people seek him? All things get added to us. We find peace. We find joy. We begin to hear his voice more clearly for direction. Over and over it says they prayed and they fasted and they heard from God. They prayed and they fasted and they heard from God. Direction is found when we seek him. And I truly believe great power will flow through our lives as we seek him. So Acts 16, I want to spend just a little bit of time on this scripture here. And this is just a wonderful, beautiful example of two godly men, two apostles, seeking, praying and seeking God's face. Verse 22, Acts 16, 22. Then a multitude rose up together against them, 
It's Paul and Silas against them. And the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. You think you're going through some persecution this week? Come on, church. Pretty sure that none of us got beaten with rods, thrown in the inner cell, and shackled up. The persecution, the challenges we face, truly, although they are difficult, think of what happens in comparison to some of this stuff. This is nothing like any of us face today. And I don't want to belittle or or put down anybody's challenges because we all have them and they are real in our lives. So praise God that he is able to face, to help us with any issue that we have. It says this, 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas, what? Were praying and singing hymns to God. They are praying and they are seeking his face. They are praying and they are worshiping. They are praying and trying to get into God's presence. They are working in his presence. They're saying, Lord, have your way. You understand, they just got beaten with rods. They have been persecuted. They are shackled up in the middle of prison. You talk about being Pressed but not crushed, persecuted but not abandoned. I mean, think of these things, these things that are pressing in on Paul and Silas, yet what are they doing? They are praying and seeking his face. They are praying and seeking his presence. The exact same thing that we saw in that other scripture. They are praying and seeking his presence. And I love this. And the prisoners were listening to them. Ah, church. When you're going through things, people are listening to how we are responding to those things. Are we praying and seeking his face? Are we murmuring and complaining about, oh my goodness, how could God allow this to happen to me? There's all kinds of theology messed up in there. I'm not going to get into that this morning, okay? Then what happens in the next verse, verse 26? So they are praying, they are worshiping, they are seeking his face. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. Oh my goodness. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. They were praying, they were seeking his face, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. Now you say, Pastor Jason, you read other parts of Acts, and Paul is in prison, and he was in prison for two years, and there wasn't suddenly a great earthquake that released him. But I don't believe that ever stopped him from praying and believing that a great earthquake would occur and break the shackles and to get him out. You understand that if we pray and we don't see something, that doesn't mean we stop seeking his face and seeking his presence and what he has plans and purposes as we're walking through the trial that we have. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. Church, can we begin to pray and believe that as we pray and seek his face, that suddenly we'll begin to see some great earthquakes? Come on, church. This is real. This happened. This is in the Bible. This is New Testament. This is, this is Jesus is now in heaven type stuff, which is in the same era that we're living in right now. So why should we expect great miracles and great earthquakes and great things to change in our lives when we are not seeking and praying and seeking his face? Because they should. And I believe that they will. It shook the place so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, look at this, immediately all the doors were open. And everyone's chains were loosed. Everybody. Not just theirs. Everybody. That begins to me to sound like a land that is becoming healed. 
right? All these people had chains that were on. They had bondages. They were in sin. They had problems. They had issues. When we pray and when we seek his face and that God makes a move and miracles happen, earthquakes happen, our chains fall off. And the other people begin to see it and revival begins to open up and their chains begin to fall off. Their issues begin to be loosed in their lives. Earthquakes begin to affect them as well as those that are here. You understand this? This is amazing how this works. They were praying. What was their actual prayer? The Bible doesn't state what their actual prayer was. Sometimes I wish it was so I know exactly what to pray. But what was the verse? You have not because you ask not. We could assume Paul and Silas like, shake this place with an earthquake, please, so I can get out. We don't know exactly what they're praying, but God moved while they were praying and seeking his face. Immediately the doors were open. Everyone's chains were loosed. Sounds like healing in the land to me. And I love this next, this next part of the verse. I'm going to end on this. Um, it says this. It's kind, of like, it's kind of like this part of time where it says, hold on a second, wait, there's more. Right? You ever watch those commercials like you're watching? And it's like these commercials where you can get these knives that cut through anything. And they're like, you know, retail price, $500. But wait, it's only $20. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is the most exciting commercial I've ever seen. And then they go, wait, there's more. And you're like, there can't be any more. That knife for $20? Are you kidding me? But yes, there's more. There's the kitchen shears that come with it. And you're like, oh my gosh, the kitchen shears. Are you kidding me? I can't believe there's more. This scripture is kind of the same way. Oh my gosh, there was an earthquake. Oh my goodness, chains fell off. Oh my goodness, people all around it were getting loose and freed. But wait, there's more. The keeper of the prison awoke from a sleep, seeing the prison doors were open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword, was about to kill himself. But Paul said with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we're all still here. And the prison guard's like, Wait, what? Why didn't you leave? Why didn't you leave immediately when this happened? Because, wait, there's more. Listen to this, verse 29. Then he called for a light. He called for a light. This man actually was calling for a light to illuminate the darkness. What happens when we call for a light that illuminates the darkness? Jesus begins to penetrate that dark area and things begin to change. Lives begin to be transformed. He actually called for the light. Ran in, fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out saying, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So not only were the chains broken and all these miracles began to happen, but people began to be healed and saved. People began to say, you know what? I need to know this God. This is why miracles are happening in our lives so that we can know who God is and that people can see who God is in our lives. Amazing. Amazing. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 31, and you will be saved, you and your household. You see, this all ended up leading to the gospel message, which sure sounds like revival to me. You see that? Paul and Silas were praying, seeking his face, seeking his presence. And what began to happen? 
Miracles begin to occur. Chains begin to break. Things begin to fall off of people. Issues in their life. And then people begin to turn their hearts to the Lord. As we close, as we close this morning, what about you today? It's a time of reflection. What about you? How is your prayer life? How are you seeking his face? We're in the first week of this fast. We got two weeks to go. There's fasting uh, booklets back there on the back table. If you want to join us, it has some prayers. You go through the right on the back table before you go out the door. I encourage you to grab one. But church, I believe it's time to seek his face. So I've asked this morning if everyone just close their eyes and bow their heads for a minute. You're saying, that's, that's me, Pastor Jason. That's me this morning. I have not been seeking his face. I have not been pressing in with a sense of urgency as if I lost my keys. And this morning I'm saying, I, I'm ready to commit to do that. I'm ready to say, you know what? I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I can't do it on my own anymore. I can't be striving anymore, trying anymore. And I'm committing today to focus my time on seeking his face. If that's you this morning, just slip your hand up. I want to pray for you. Just slip your hand up this morning. Thank you. I see your hand. Praise God. I see your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, we just thank you for those who are lifting their hands up this morning. Who are saying, I want to, I'm choosing to seek your face. Lord, show me what that means. Show me how to do that more in my life. I want to seek you with all that I am. Have your way in this place is our cry this morning. Have your way in this vessel. Father, I just pray that the anointing of heaven will fall on each person who raised their hand. Show them more of you. Father, your word promises that those that you're a rewarder for those who diligently seek you. So Father, help each and every one of us to diligently seek you with a sense of urgency, knowing that it's only because of you that we can even live and breathe and have our being. Father, thank you for changing lives this morning. Thank you for turning hearts back to you, for committing to grow deeper with you. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, before you're dismissed, we have a couple uh,
prayer leaders that will be coming up to the front here. If you need prayer for anything, like even prayer for wanting to get home safely, I'm kind of kidding. I'm going to say a prayer for that in a minute. Uh, But if you just want prayer for anything, whether it's healing, relationship, anything in your life, maybe it's you never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you want someone to pray with you to receive Jesus Christ, you can do that this morning. There's some prayer team members coming up here. And so I just want to say a quick prayer over you all and read a benediction. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your power. Thank you for transforming our lives. And Father, I just pray a special blessing over each person who is here. Every person that gets into that car, turns that car on when they find their keys, turns that car on and begins to drive home. Father, give them protection on the roads, for the drivers, for those drivers around them. Father, supernaturally grip those tires to the, to the roads today as they drive. Angels surround them as they go. We thank you for your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen and amen. You are dismissed. Drive safely. Thank you for being a part of today's Faith Communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org, where you may sign up to receive our monthly Faith Communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today, and always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, not by sight.